Welcome to episode one. I am one of the hosts of the show. My name is Roger Emmer, and I am joined today by my co-host and also co-founder and partner at Remy Labs, Brant Choate. Hey, yo. What's up, Brant? What up? Got a nice shirt on. Yeah. For those of you who can see it. We're both rocking the new GMG Hogwarts merch, and it's looking pretty fire. It's super comfortable. What do you think? Probably the nicest shirt I own. <laughs> That's true. I've seen his shirts, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we've been talking about starting this podcast for a little while. To give a little bit of background on us, I guess, we've known each other for a long time, like 15, 20 years. Yep. We go super far back. And we've never worked together before until probably about nine months ago. Always stayed in touch, friends, followed each other's careers. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, I don't know about you, but there was always a little hint of, oh, I'd love to work together on something, but we never knew what that thing was. So, Yeah, I feel like we talked about it a lot of times, even like as far back as 12, 13 years ago. Yeah. And even, I think we had this one meeting where we were sitting in a restaurant talking about it. We were in some place like up by the canyon. Oh, Porcupine? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's a good shout out, Porcupine. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, for sure. I've been talking about it for a while. Yep. Yeah, and you've had a career. You worked at Omniture, which was then during the Adobe acquisition, one of the early employees at Podium and ran product there. And then you went and did this kind of San Francisco entrepreneur thing, and I was always like super jealous watching it from the outside because I always really wanted to do that. But I guess sometime about this time last year, I got super obsessed with NFTs and then shortly after that, I think it was during the summer, you got, you moved back to Utah and we met up for lunch and I was like, Hey, I bought these things called board ape. Have you heard of them? And you're like, yeah, I've started to see a little bit, but this was like, even before they went super crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I started to get like really into the NFT scene and we had a few conversations about it. And I remember one time we were just texting and I said, hey, I have a couple ideas on in this like Web3 space that we could do. And you're like, tell me more. And we ended up landing on launching our own PFP project, which is super original now. <laughs> <laughs> but we decided to do that. Tell me about, I remember coming over to your house and helping you set up a wallet and like buying your first NF. We bought it on Tezos. It? Tezos. Yeah. What was the website? Uh, it's closed now, but. I can't remember. What was it like the first time buying an NFT for you? I definitely had, like you said, been tracking it from afar. And I think Gary V was the first thing that I saw on the internet. Like I was on his text thread for different reasons, just to see how he was using it from a marketing perspective. And he, he kept talking about launching this NFT. And so I guess it had been like a curiosity of mine of what the excitement was about, because I still didn't white. I think I still had this. I've been doing this since the internet became like real popular for building things. I didn't really get what the point of the blockchain was. I think what the non-obvious part for me actually going through it and like looking through all of those weird hen was what it was called. Hen. Yep. Yeah. It is. Cruising around on hen. There just was like a cultural vibe to it that mm-hmm. was non-obvious. Yeah. And say what you want about the technology and whether it's efficient and all that sort of debate that goes on. But there is a, a culture around it that 
is in, very interesting and I think is producing a, a result that we haven't seen before in a long time. Culture, it, it attracts some of those crazy people too. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember. And then I think you were like, hey, I bought this flunk donkey. Yep, yep. <laughs> I got a flunk donk and they I got some rare one. I remember he had green vomit coming out of his mouth. I showed my girlfriend. She was like, cool. <laughs> What's the point of you this? You flipped that thing though, right? You I, made, you yeah. Made some- I 6 x on my first, Ooh, first NFT. That's crazy. Not crazy money, but I'll take it. Okay. So Flunk Donkeys, that was a Solana NFT. Yes. I was very early in the Solana NFT ecosystem. And our project was actually on Solana. And we chose Solana... I'll explain why for from my perspective, but also like on the technical side, I'd le- love for you to chime in here. Yep. One, I just thought it was new and there was some energy happening there that felt very much like the ETH ecosystem and that culture that you talked about six months prior to that. Then this was like towards the fall of 2021. And so it just felt like there was this new chain. Lots of people were excited, but it was still definitely pretty niche in terms of adoption. <laughs> But I loved the fact that it was super fast and that the transaction fees were really low. And that was actually a kind of a thing that we said when we did our, our NFT that we wanted it um, to remove some of the barriers for new people to come on. So that gas fee and the transaction cost was a big thing in my mind. And I remember you digging in for the first time and you had some thoughts just on like the momentum on the dev side. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I think just having built a lot of technology projects over the last few, probably 15 years at this point, there's always, there's probably like a hundred different times in which you're trying to choose a technology to use. Mm -hmm. And so it could be something as little as what do we use for a date picker on a website if you don't want to have to build your own or something as big as what blockchain do you use? And so there's this exercise of going onto GitHub doing a lot of searching on there and you're basically keyword searching the way that you would on Google, but you're looking for kind of different signals. And so you're looking at how many offshoots of Solana projects are there. Like if I just type Solana in on GitHub Mm -hmm. and then I'm looking at what the top projects are, like what problems are trying to solve. And particularly with Solana, it was, I think that one thing that stood out was they had a more robust toolkit being built around NFTs specifically. And so that was everything from like the basics of minting and selling and Mm -hmm. having a marketplace. And that was what Metaplex was for us. But then they had these other projects like Cardinal who are using, who have this whole set of protocols around lending and fractionalizing and just making sure that there's basically a toolkit to have a little bit more creativity with what we could actually do. And I think that there's the gas is part of why this Mm -hmm. is a thing, but also there are just a number of technical differences on the way that the contracts are formed themselves on Solana that allow that to happen a little bit easier. So that was some of the the nuance behind it. And pros and cons we've learned now nine months into this thing sure. of some of the pros and cons of being early on, on Solana. And it certainly hasn't been super easy, but looking back, I think our thesis was right. We saw movement going in this direction and 
now in hindsight, we were probably three or four months still ahead of the curve. But when you look at some of the things that have happened with Solana over the last couple months, OpenSea supporting it is a big one. And then just some projects that have launched in the last few months that have really just taken over and become the number one selling collection for weeks at a time on OpenSea. So definitely at a place now where we were just talking about this at lunch, it feels like that bridge is starting to be like crossed in terms of, oh, this is, I only buy NFTs on ETH or Solana. It's becoming more of a first-class citizen, it seems like in the NFT space. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's always hard to make these predictions over, you know, a long period of time. I think one thing we were talking about yesterday was just blockchain is really cool, but I think a lot of the things that we're excited about are more related to the culture around Web3. So mm-hmm. whether it's blockchain that allows us to, to have this decentralized version of the internet or maybe something else, maybe it's a new version of blockchain, maybe the ZK roll-up syncs or whatever kind of new technology yep. comes out. There's definitely something there where, especially as we start to think about how this applies to like your average day person shopping online, there's clear use cases for what we're trying to build out, but it's just, yeah, not always easy to pick exactly how it's, how we're going to get there. Yep. But I think Solana still to this point seems like something that, that I'm happy we chose. Yeah. All right. So we landed on a blockchain and we launched the project that we release is called GM Groundhogs for those of you who don't know, AKA GMG. And our kind of angle, I think, from a marketing perspective was a cut twofold. One, at the time, there's so many cycles in NFT trends and you can almost predict that you can like see what's happening and say, oh, and like we're due for a token trend or a DAO trend here in any minute now. But at the time, that was all the talk, especially on the Solana chain. Everyone had a freaking token. Everyone had a DAO. Mm-hmm. Neither of them were actually real in some cases or in most cases. And for me, as someone who took the the role as the project leader here, I just wanted to like go back to what made me excited about collecting NFTs in the first place. Mm-hmm. And that came back for me to like fun PFP style artwork, things that were collectible, lots of fun traits. And it was also something that was really important for me to have new make it relatable to new people. So we did this thing with the groundhogs, which is again, becoming more commonplace um, where we actually had physical redemption of product. And I don't know, I'm sure there were other people that came before us, but we were pretty early in doing that thing. But now you look and artifact is doing that with Nike shoes and Azuki is doing that with leather, like Letterman style jackets. And there's all of these physical redemptions. Adidas has done it. And I think that just points to the fact that there's a lot of one, there's a lot of new people buying these things Mm -hmm. and it's weird to buy an NFT if you've never done it before. Like it's hard for people to see that value. So pairing the physical thing is actually a really good, a good way to help people cross that mental gap in my mind. But also people just, they want to get stuff for having their NFT. That could be a token, that could be an air, an airdrop or another mint of another NFT. But things in real life, I had noticed that I wanted to wear things like my Board Ape hoodie and my 
Adam Bomb Squad t-shirt and kind of represent this culture that I had found a home in, outs- like externally to other people. So we thought that was a pretty good pairing, and that was part of our our value prop when we launched the GMG. So one thing I am curious about, just like we worked together on this project, but I think you and I had different lanes and you were working a full-time job still and trying to figure out how to do this uh, in on the side and the nights and weekends and whatnot. And basically I'm curious what, at what point in the project did you feel like the most like stress or anxiety or like what, like, I know there's a lot of those moments, but what was yeah, the number one? Oh boy. Okay. Here's what I'll start to answer that question by saying this. I have tons of respect for anyone who actually tries to do something in this space. That's not just straight up scam. Yeah. It is way harder than people think it is like as hard as you think it could be times that by 10. (laughs) It's harder than, it's so hard. And I think a mistake that people made and even we made was we looked at all these projects that seemed to be just selling out, Mm -hmm. just like clockwork and thinking, oh, well, that's going to happen to us too. And I think what you don't realize is there's some industry stuff that happens behind the scenes. There's all these influencers. There's people that are pumping all these projects. They're getting paid to do that. We didn't do any of that. And we were able to sell out a collection of 2000. So although this was super stressful, I'll get to some moments. I think like the reward at the end has been very satisfying and even to see like our community grow and see our stuff on shirts and shorts like I'm wearing. I, I look back on it pretty fondly now. There were moments. So we minted December 23rd. So right before Christmas, great yeah. timing oh, from yeah. a stress perspective. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we were supposed to mint on the 16th. Yeah. And I remember, you. Pr- I want to ask you the same question, what you were thinking, but basically we were coming down to the wire in terms of getting everything ready. And like you said, this was thing, something we were doing as a side hustle or a passion project. And so we had full-time jobs we had to work on. Yep. Full-time, like night and weekend takeover to do this thing. And we were coming down to the wire. We still had to upload the art to our weave. And... You can explain what happened, but basically there were some bugs. I think this was one of the first times I remember the Solana network actually crashing. It's happened a lot more than we like since then. But the night before we minted, Solana crashed. Metaplex had a couple bugs in it, I think. And I remember going going to bed, but not really, around 1 o'clock. And you're like, okay, man, I'm going in. I'm going to do this thing all night. (laughs) And then I woke up five or six. I don't know. I called you and I remember it's seared in my brain. I'm like, hey, how's it going? And you pause for a second and you go, Solana screwed us, dude. (laughs) 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 So that was way stressful. And we had momentum and we basically had nothing else to do but tell the community, sorry, it's not going to happen today which led to a whole bunch of other questions like, when does it happen? Should we even do it now? Like this and that. Mm -hmm. But I would say from that period until we minted was one of the most stressful times of my life, which sounds crazy over this little cartoon thing. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think what's weird about blockchain is you push stuff up and then it's there and 
there are ways with Solana, especially to make some changes post facto, but it, that dynamic is not how the rest of the internet works at all. Mm-hmm. And you become very accustomed to, to building things with that backup of, even when we push things now today on the web two side, there's a rollback button on most things that we use. So if it breaks, we click one thing and we're back. And that's just not an option with these NFT projects. There's that sort of underlying everything. But then we're working with Metaplex, which at the time was still very new. They were forming their organization behind the scenes and we've heard what was happening behind the scenes now. Yeah, they were raising a bunch of money and all this stuff. But more or less, it's a lot of people who are in a technology company for the first time and trying to figure out how to scale basics of a company, like how to do support. And the way support worked was just get in a discord and whoever yells the loudest, or if you happen to know somebody, they would help you on Twitter or whatever we hit this point where our art is not uploading. Yep. We're following all the instructions. We're asking everyone else and they're saying, just do it this way. That's what we're doing, but it's not working. Mm -hmm. And we finally figure out that there's, there was basically a breakdown between Arweave and Metaplex and Solana. Cause Arweave is not on Solana. Yeah. It's its its own own blockchain, right? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And Arwe was processing things too slow and Solano was processing things too fast. And so the, the kind of bridge between those two networks was getting clogged, basically. Mm-hmm. And so every time we'd upload, we'd because it, it's a blockchain collection, we had to have everything upload in a sequence and be done in one batch. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we'd press the button and Dan and I, Dan's our other co-founder, we'd sit there and watch this thing just go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And then it would get to 20 and just fail. Yep. And that whole night we just sat there and restarted it over and over and over and over. And I think when we talked on the phone, there just wasn't a point where we got past like 900 of the 2000. And yeah, just figuring out how to get around that problem, which everyone else was experiencing as well was challenging just from the perspective of like lack of documentation and also just it was new technology for all of us to run with. Yep. One of the things that's interesting about that too, part of it, I think with GMG is, and I think this is actually common as I've talked to other people who have founded PFP projects, you're basically laying the track down right before the train hits. Mm Mm-hmm. And there are actually reasons why you wouldn't want the art uploaded a week in advance because then people can go find it and they can like find out information about your candy machine and get bots ready to take over your mint. And so it's this weird balance of like you can't queue things and then if it doesn't work, you're like, shit. Yep. <laughs> yep. So that was a fun night. I'll never forget it. Yeah. No, I, I think once that project launched... Was it, we launched on the 23rd, right? Yep, yep. I think I slept for three days straight <laughs> afterwards. It's just yeah, time to catch and up. And we had the good feeling that we sold out, which was nice to have your Christmas break there. But it was definitely not without a massive amount of effort and a lot of stress. So 
if I do have one thing, I wouldn't, I would never discourage people to experiment or to go build here in web three, but you should be basically ready to, you have to go all in or else you're either never going to get to the point where you launch or it's just really hard that I guess I've said that before, but it's just really hard to get it. Yeah. And I think it's hard to get out of what you're seeing everyone else do Mm -hmm. just from like a, how you structure the project standpoint. The irony of Web3 in my mind and NFTs is that they are memes. Yep. But everyone ends up just memeing each other. Mm -hmm. And so you end up with 100 ape projects, or there's probably more than that at this point. And trying to figure out like, oh, do we have to do an animal? Yeah. Is it going to be weird if we don't? Like, are people going to like that or... Should we try something else? Should it? I think at one point we talked about doing helmets, right? Yeah. And then it was like, is that like, are people just going to be like, no, I don't want this. Like I want an animal. <laughs> I want a cute animal or I want to yep. whatever. Um, just trying to f- find that creativity. I remember was one hard part. We of went it. through various, we went through a couple artists. We went through three or four ideas and then we ended up with the hogs. Part of that was, intentional but the story of how we ended up with groundhogs is actually pretty funny it was over lunch i was talking to mike who helped us on the project he was like our creative director and his wife actually did the art sarah and this was like after we were we had done some samples of the helmets and stuff and at the time gm wasn't quite as known in or even over memed as it is now yeah And I remember just thinking, there's definitely something to this. And I remember around this time, like Snoop tweeted GM. This is when he started getting into the space and it just went nuts. Like so many likes and retweets and stuff like that. So I was thinking in my head, like, oh, there's something here. Can we lean into that? And I was at lunch with Mike and I was like telling him basically this. I'm explaining it just like I am right now. And Mike just goes, GM Groundhogs. (laughs) And he snapped like that, GM Groundhogs. And I was like, huh. And then we Googled Groundhog, and there's this one picture. If you Google Groundhog, you'll know which one I'm talking about. He's like standing up with his hands perched, and we just started laughing. And yeah. we thought, hey, that's a good sign. So that's that's how we ended up with it. And then there are some other things. Like I thought GMG was pretty catchy, just as shorthand. And then there's Groundhog Day. So like you have a built-in holiday around your NFT and there's Groundhog Day, the movie, Mm -hmm. which fun fact, if you don't know, the reason there's 1,993 NFTs in the Groundhog collection is because that's the year that the Groundhog movie was released. So anyways, we had a lot of fun with it. And yeah, that creative process of trying to figure out something new and unique is hard. And actually, shout out to Sarah because sure, we were another animal avatar, but... I don't think there's another, there's a hundred apes. I don't think there's another groundhog. And the art is very like it. Who was the guy you were talking to? We were interviewing some of the the hog community. Oh yeah. And he's it's just so iconic. Yeah. And that was weird for me, man, to yeah. hear that him yeah. say that. Yep. It stands on its own. Yeah. So this kind of tails into another topic that I think would be interesting to talk about. So this concept of, coming up with something that's creative and unique, I think applies to what we have moved into now Mm -hmm. trying to start a company. Yep. And 
I'm curious on, from your perspective, like what, because we've gone about this, what's been the biggest like surprise? Cause this is more or less like your first time doing a company in this yep. sort of position. Yep. Okay. I guess the way I would answer that is you hear stories like the myths of Silicon Valley and follow founders and VCs on, on Twitter or whatever. Yeah. And it's just like pivoting is like this phrase that happens. Yeah. And that can happen in multiple ways. That can be like major pivots or it's just like these minor things. But I didn't really understand why people say that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Until, until we started doing this and we've changed, I think like broad vision with Remy, we still have that same thing, which is to basically create magical shopping experiences for consumers and align incentives between consumers and brands. Mm-hmm. We think Web3 can help with that. But the way we are like navigating through that idea maze that people talk about again in, in startup life is just, it's way different than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And it's so hard to describe it like with anything else in life until you experience it. It's sometimes hard to just really feel what it's like. But I think that the, the paradox with doing a startup and doing anything creative in, in general is that you run into this scenario where you want to create something of value and that people want. But if it's an obvious play or take on in this case commerce Mm -hmm. it's already been done yep and so you're trying to find like the non-obvious insight that someone like that hasn't become obvious yet and so as such when you go out and try and talk to people about this thing most of the people just by default are going to think you're dumb Mm -hmm. or stupid yep and you have to get really good at segmenting who you want to listen to and that's for me, the hardest part, especially, and this is actually like why a major reason why I shut down my Twitter recently, mm-hmm. like I just took off my phone. It's too many voices and it just became hard for me to really focus on, okay, yep. at the end of the day, we've been now running around this idea maze for, in in the case of me for the last year and a half for this particular topic. And if I get off Twitter and just think by myself, I actually think that we have something that is a generational company and a generational idea sincerely. And I am not one to just say that willy nilly, but when you get on Twitter, it's just like, Oh, if you don't have this and if you're not doing this and X, Y, Z, then what are you thinking? And even first for, I don't know how many people you've talked to, to about what we're doing, but whether it's your family or friends or whatever, or even some people in tech who I really trust, there's this experience of showing them your thing that you're putting so much time and effort into. Yeah. And then they're just like, oh, cool. Or, <laughs> I don't get it. Or yeah. what, what's, have you experienced, I, I guess I'm curious as you show people or talk to people about what we're doing, like what <laughs> that's been like. <laughs> Those of you guys who, there's two versions of me. There's like the version of me around my family who's actually pretty quiet most of the time. And I don't like to talk about my career. It's probably really selfish or whatever, but, and then there's like the hog father that people know, and I'm, you know, pretty outgoing and I'm excited to talk about this stuff. But my whole life, I've basically avoided telling my parents what I do for work Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) or my, my family or my friends. And 
they're just like, oh, he does marketing or something. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Computer stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I was showing, okay, I had this experience just like two days ago. My, my in-laws were at my house and we hadn't seen them for a bit. They knew there was some changes in my career, but I don't, they had no idea like to the extent. So I'm going through the whole thing and telling them I had to explain groundhogs to them a little bit. They knew about it, but not really. And I explained Y Combinator and they're just like, what the heck? This is so weird. <laughs> and then I'm, you know, I'm explaining NFTs and crypto and like my father-in-law, he knows, I don't know if he holds crypto, but he knows enough to yep. like know what it is. And it still didn't totally seem like it was landing. And then I pulled up the video pages that we've been working on. We haven't really shown this stuff publicly, but I pulled up that the version of the video pages site and I showed it to him and that actually clicked right away. Yeah. They're like, Oh, that's really cool. For those of you don't, who don't know, we're working on a product that basically turns like commerce shopping into TikTok or social like pages. It feels very much super fast load times and, and like scrolling video and stuff like that. Um, so it just depends. The other thing I would say is the, on the NFT side specifically, I think the physical stuff helps yeah, a yeah. lot. So when my family all got their hoodie, I, I brought them all over in a box on Sunday and handed them out. I think that helped. And then when we showed at Cryptopia the Taft shoe, so this is a plug for Taft, but they got a sick NFT coming up that we're going to be talking a lot more about in the next few weeks. But seeing people pick up the shoe and then see the NFT on the screen and how that translates. Yeah, I think... That it's, I can't even remember what your question was, but especially because we're doing so many things that like the crypto and the NFT side is, it's just so new that you get in this bubble where you feel like everyone's doing the same thing, but then you look outside and you realize no one gets it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I think one, one stat that jumped out to me recently, I think they were saying that there's globally 10,000 blockchain developers. Wow. Sounds low, but there's 25 million registered iOS developers. Wow. I, I hate the sort of excuse that's constantly used in crypto of why things are broken and shitty that we're early, mm -hmm. but it is somewhat true. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We could go on about this for days. That's actually why we started this thing because we love talking about this stuff. So thank you all for joining us on our first episode. We're going to have many more. Brant and I are going to be on the show. We're going to get Doug on the show. We're going to get JY. We're going to get all the Remy staff on the show. So we're going to bring a lot of unique perspectives. We'd love to have people, especially if you're in the Utah Web3 scene, come on the show as well. Talk about what you're up to and just help educate and spread the Web3 vibes. <laughs> nice. <laughs>